0: It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live.
1: Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On
2: Giants.com.
1: You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime.
2: And the Giants Mobile App. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants
1: Podcast Network. Let's go out there like
3: a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants Mobile App. I'm Schmelk, joined by Fegels, joined by Meadow, and soon to be joined by you on the phones at 201-939-4513, or hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat, hashtag BBKL, and we'll answer some of your questions. Week three, Giants and Falcons, Sunday at one o'clock at MetLife Stadium, a lot going on. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Schmelk. You're good fired afternoon. up today. I am a little fired up, actually. I don't know why. Like I, I wasn't all fired up, and then, like, Tino the came in to read this commercial spot, and he's, like, literally, <laughs> like, the adrenaline is bubbling out of his pores. Uh, <laughs> and I think some of it infected me. I'm not sure. That's okay. Is it
4: not?
1: Yeah. Yes. He does kind of have an infectious uh, presence around him. Yes. So so. That,
3: well, that is true. Um, before we get to the game, I want to get to this first. We don't have a kind of a change of topic here, Jeff. Mm-hmm. You obviously were Eli Manning's teammate for a long time. He Mm -hmm. will be inducted into the Giants' Ring of Honor on Sunday. He will have his jersey retired at halftime. He'll do a little speech and all that stuff. Lance, I'm informing you now, Jeff will not be with you at halftime because he'll be walking out with Eli's teammates at the half, so you have been abandoned. We'll find somebody to do halftime. Goodbye, Lance. I already got a heads up about
4: that before the show. Oh, did you? Good. Excellent.
3: So, Jeff, just say what you want to
1: say about Eli Mm -hmm. before we get to the game itself. Well, right, you were just on the Eli. I was telling Lance, I've I've had... uh, you know, quite a few calls from reporters asking me about the number switch. You know, obviously, for those that sc- those are scoring home, I was the last person to wear a number ten before the immortal. And, so, and, and by the way, just j- just for accuracy' sake, that mm-hmm. would be the first number switch. That would be the first number switch. Yeah, that wouldn't be. The, yeah, it was the the first one to, and it kind of it kind of you know built into the next one, which was the Plaxico switch. We don't and like then, to talk about the next. We don't one. like <laughs> to talk about that one, but it's okay. And then <laughs> yeah. it was the eighteen switch. And so I was – and actually, it's a funny story, real quickly, Tom Rock, I was uh, talking to him this morning, and he brought up that, that Eli was number 18 in high school. See this little kind of similarity things, you know? Mm. So 10, 18, I finished my career at 18, he finishes it with 10, whatever. Anyways, but uh, what can I say about Eli? I, it, it, listen, if everybody – knows the type of person he is, and I think that's first and foremost with me, is that when I did the, when I did the number switch, um, Pat Hanlon had said to me, he called me, I was on the golf course, go figure, um, in April. <laughs> Shocking. Phoenix. Shocking. Yes. Um, so, um, April, March, September, October. <laughs> <laughs> pick month a month. It really <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> and uh, said, Pat said to me, he said, hey, Feek, you know that voice he has, listen, uh, we, got, we got an issue here. I said, uh, "What's going on?" He said, "We're we're gonna we drafted Eli Manning. I don't know if you know that, but he's number ten in college, and you're number ten in the pros. What do you think we're gonna do?" I, I said, "I don't know. What do you want to do?" He's like, "Well, we'd like to. See, would you mind, you know, giving your number up?" I said, "Listen, he's gonna wear that number a lot longer than I will." And I was, you know, obviously I, I had foresight there. I saw that coming. And I and I would think give is a is an interesting word to use. Yeah, we're not, not going <laughs> to give it to him. We're going to, we're going to work something out, Pat. And he said he he said, Fix, we don't have time right now. He he's on his way over to the stadium to do all the press stuff, and we got to get. Can we do this? Oh, I he said, put you on the spot. He huh? put me on the spot. Well, it wasn't hard. I, it wasn't hard. I said to him, just go do it. We'll figure it out later. I mean, obviously the Manning name has got some credibility. I think we're going to. Be okay um, <laughs> oh so you, know, <laughs> you didn't get the deal
4: done on the route to the press conference you're pretty saying, much
1: yeah. yeah that's that's kind of where you know it just we we didn't get it done right away exactly Lance so, I, I believe
3: that's called an agreement in principle <laughs> yeah, the, they had not something we use on, those on, those on this show yet. quite yeah. a yes. bit yes. agreement right so <laughs> yeah.
1: uh and then I you know at the, the tail end of it it was just it finally got done and and uh we talked about it and I said you know listen and you know what, it's kind of funny, I think I did remember talking, and this is, you're going to laugh at me for this, but I, I don't know how it went down, whether it was with Pat or it was with Eli, Eli will know. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, we just talked about it, and I said, listen, I, I, I want to I wanna go to Destin, Florida, and take my family there in spring break. This is when I was obviously still playing, and my kids were in school, and, and that's what he did. Flew us down there, not private, but, you know, paid for everything, and we were down there for a week, and it was awesome. It was so much fun. You know, Jeff, what you really should have done, you said, Eli,
3: all right, I'm gonna be forward thinking here. All I'm asking for is long term royalties. One half percent of your career earnings.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Or the jersey sales. Or just the jersey jersey sales. sales. Yeah, that would have taken that too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But uh, as well, considering you wore number ten. I was gonna I actually was telling told Tom Rock this morning, I said, "I, I think I'm I have an old number 10 Fiegel's jersey up in my attic. I think I might wear it to the stadium this weekend. People oh, and that'd will be, be fun. You know, should I do it? Should I bring it in? You should absolutely it. Yeah, you should it. bring it. Absolutely. I mean, they're
4: retiring your number, essentially. Yes. That's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> so You know, let's not forget about that. This is a celebration of the number 10, which is always going to be synonymous with Jeff Fiegel. Well, yes, I, Jeff. You know
3: what? Yes. I, 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 and all th- right, and, I'm going to bring it. And do not blame me if you get, yo know, that, for, for doing this, but That's okay. I think,
1: I think well, we should do it though. It's it's kind of why a, would he get yelled
3: at? I think it's fantastic. I mean, it, Lance, it, it, I, I, I never understand why certain people get mad about certain things. <laughs> so well, I, I mean, wash listen. my hands.
1: I'm it. gonna bring it and I mean no, I'm I gonna wear it. it yeah. And yes, definitely. Um, we'll see what happens, right? But um, wear it on the pregame know, show. That'll be fun. Okay, we'll do that. I'll bring i wear it, wear it to the stage and we'll we'll do it from there. Sure. But just real quickly before we move on. I, I you know I just can't um, tell you you know about Eli is such a great guy and he's just such a great teammate and you know he checked a couple boxes for me Um, when you talk about bucket lists and things that you have to you know that was lucky enough to get a Super Bowl he was the guy you know really when you look at the way he played in that game I mean he was the guy him and plaques you know ironically (laughs) So, those so basically,
3: guys. so here's the bottom line. If you take one of Jeff Fiegel's old numbers, you're destined to be a Super Bowl hero is basically <laughs> what you're telling me. <laughs> That's right. One or the other, you're going to be fine. So, Wait, pick so Jeff, poison. you <laughs> never
4: switch numbers with anybody on any of your previous teams? Never,
1: ever. Never, wow. No. Okay. Nope. So, there you go, Lance. See, now, if yeah. Jeff
3: had only been more generous with his number on previous teams, he, he would have had more rings. Super Bowl championships. Yeah. That's no, correct,
1: yes. Here's the other one. That's one other really great quarterback in Philadelphia Eagles history wore my number two after I left. And that was Donovan McNabb. I was number five in Philly, (laughs) so just a little bit time. You paved the way for the quarterbacks. Yeah, Yeah, that one took a little time, but (laughs) only about ten years. (laughs) So um, I'm very proud of uh, of Eli. It's going to be a great day. I figure. If there's ever a time for this team to need a win, it's this weekend. And, by the way, Eli Manning's going to be in the building. That should give them enough motivation yeah, to win the game. And, by the way, he does win a lot of games when he's in that building. So I'm hoping that uh, this is going to be good for the team. But I'm just going to be so excited to be there with all him and his friends, his family. It's going to be a great event. I'm sure that the Giants, what they're doing is going to be spectacular. Um, and I, I think that he'll obviously handle it as he does always with class and and thankfulness to a lot of the, the fans and the organization and friends and family, all that stuff. So it's going to be great. I'm just happy we're going to be there, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Jeff, I want to follow up
3: very quickly but, uh, before we get to the game itself. And just I agree. The one thing that that, that strikes me about Eli is that his public persona is pretty much who Eli is. I mean, he's just chill. Yeah, there's no change. No, Here. I mean, he just is who he is. And, you know, two-time Super Bowl champion, you think, you know, you go up, you're going to be nervous around him or whatever. He's the most easygoing, easy to talk to, deal with, work with ever. And, like, mm-hmm. out of almost any player that's ever been with the Giants, he's been the easiest, and he might also be the best and most important. So what is so what does that tell you? I mean, he's certainly easier than dealing with Jeff Eagles. So <laughs> yeah, and, absolutely. He, and, and, and he certainly has a better memory than Jeff Eagles There's too. There's 100%. But, so yeah. He's that, also th- younger than me. Well, the so pronunciations well, maybe is up are. for
4: grabs here at this point. We <laughs> haven't heard him tackle <laughs> that on the Monday night broadcast yet. So.
3: Liz, that's actually a really good point, because Payton was butchering somebody's name in the So there you go. One, See, that's what I said. I don't well, Eli, Eli during his
4: meeting with the media the other day, said that, you know, he's not even familiar with half the offensive linemen in today's game anymore. He's just breaking down what he's seeing on the screen, not necessarily the players. That's why I said, I think that's right now up for debate. I wouldn't necessarily give Eli the edge. Jeff may have some on. It's just X's and O's he
1: had to worry about. So, Jeff, I have
3: have one follow-up for you very quickly before we get to the game. (laughs)
4: Sure.
3: Did Eli ever play a prank on you? And if so, what was it? If not, what was the best prank you saw him play on somebody else?
1: Well, he never played a prank on me because he's smart, and um, th- <laughs> you know he knows about how much time that we have when oh. I say that's True, that's a good point. Yeah, so,
3: you, you, you could almost like focus all of your energy and oh we, yeah, just Hunt, on that.
1: Listen, th- and we would, <laughs> we would, and we did. You,
3: you, 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 you would like replace all his golf clubs with like lefty golf clubs when he goes oh, to the uh, listen. To we, the we've range? done
1: all kinds of things. I, I mean. <laughs> When we – and uh, well, Keel, remember Ryan Keel? He was really bad. Ryan was ruthless. Like, I mean, he was – like, he took these things personal. And I'm, I'm like, Ryan, these are just pranks. He's like, no, I hate this guy. I'm going to do this. I'm like, whoa, okay, all right. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm going to put this guy's cars on blocks. I'm like, what? <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> We're going a little too far here. I, okay, you know what? I'm stepping away from this one, all right? <laughs> I'm not going to be involved in this one, guys. All right, how about Eli? Eli never pranked me. I saw many pranks that he did. You know, some of the great ones was uh, O'Hara when he was around. Those guys were constantly doing things, Um, you know, putting 10-pound weights in guys' bags when they carried them on the plane. They had to carry them the whole time. I mean, just – and and by the way, most of these pranks are like – you don't really think about them. They just kind of come up quickly. And so, like, you just kind of, like, all of a sudden, you're like, you know what, I'm going to prank this guy. And, he's, and he goes into the shower before. And most of it happens, like, on Saturday before we're getting ready to go to a game. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of funny things that happen. There's the, the best one, I, I, I'll tell you guys this a little bit more in detail, but the best one was, uh, was put on O'Hara one time when there was a certain type of toy that was put in his luggage Oh. And that the <laughs> oh, uh, right. when the guys when we go through the <laughs> the tarmac, oh, I, uh, I
4: can only imagine what this. They go through they we, go yes. through
1: your luggage and they're kind of going through there. You know they got check everything out, make sure there's nothing in there. And you can save next that for in, after the show. Yeah, exactly. Details, so yeah. that was a good one. Um, wait, wait. The, so did did it get flagged? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, it got flagged all right, and it was, it was, and there was a lot of people that were told about it before. Oh, no. oh, so so there was basically an audience. Oh, yeah, that fantastic. <laughs> oh, That's fantastic. And the <laughs> funniest thing about that was that everybody was kind of like waiting behind because they wanted O'Hara to go in front because they wanted to witness <laughs> so it because sing. once you go past, you got to keep going, right? Yeah. So everybody was, like, jockeying for a position to get behind <laughs> O'Hara so they could have a front row seat. It was just good. And the, and the TSA guys were just cracking up. They were just – it was hilarious. So, um, you know, I used to cut Eli's shoelaces, you know, so he'd be <laughs> late for practice. You know, just this stuff like that. I mean, I, I got a lot of stuff to do, just little things, you know. Um, you know just uh, there's a lot Just there's too many there's really well, Jeff uh, there's you did of
4: some money. of your best planning right when you were in the swimming pool while the team was climbing, that's right yeah <laughs> I had a lot of time so, to think about yeah, you had plans. a lot of time on your hands
1: tons yeah. of you know doing laps I was always thinking about you know how can I get <laughs> Eli but uh, by no, the he's... way
4: the other thing that I wanted to add you brought up the fact that Eli wore 18 in high school Jeff yeah the reason why I don't know if you were aware of this because I didn't even realize this when oh his he was dad was, with was the 10 media the other day he said the only reason why he couldn't wear 18 at Ole Miss was because Archie wore 18 and his number was retired
1: that's what it was yeah but but
4: they supposedly Jeff they had asked Eli they said they'd unretire his father's number if he wanted to wear it so the reason Mm -hmm. I bring this up is we may have not gotten to the point if he would have just accepted Ole Miss's gift and wore 18 you could have still been wearing 10 and who knows what the legacy of that number would have been
1: Mm. that's uh that's 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 deep right there Lance I know well I just wanted to give the rest of the audience as well as you uh, something to ponder right there I don't know all right, guys. Uh, are you ready to break down the game? Yeah. Hey, real, I don't know, I can't listen real to quick. I, I'll, all day. I'll tell no, you. So one, could <laughs> I? I know. Me too, lads. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell too. you real quickly. One of the funniest pranks. You guys remember Jerry Palmieri? Oh, of okay? course. Yeah. So Jerry Palmieri was our strength coach with the Giants back in the day, and and he was an easy target. Okay, because Jerry was just the nicest man in the world, but you know he was very serious, and O'Hara and, and Eli would get Jerry constantly, um, and I'll never forget. And I, I'm pretty sure that Eli was involved in this prank, um, that. Jerry Palmieri used to drive this Astro van. And I mean, it was like a 1981 Astro van. It had like 260,000 miles on it. And he <laughs> did not want to get rid of this thing. One day, these guys got into his car and they put a bunch of confetti down into the air conditioner vents. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and, and by the way, the confetti, okay, was basically of the um sexual content nature uh, (laughs) that they were shaped okay oh and so he turned on the air conditioner and (laughs) these things these things went everywhere in the car and by the way there's thousands of them right so he's not picking these things up so he must have seen those things for years his (laughs) missing yeah because like
3: you know just knowing jerry from him walking around probably Probably yeah. that, probably not the best at bending down and like touching his toes. Oh no, God, I no, think, yeah, no.
1: And I'm sure to this day, if that car is still in circulation, it's got some of those things like floating oh, around oh in the car gosh. somewhere. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but you know what? I'm and I know where we're going to go on, but I will tell you, this guys is how you get through seasons. Um, when you're not doing well or you just you know you, you got it it puts life in perspective okay i mean yes it's football and it's it's what you do for a living and it's a game but you know what it's it's this is real life stuff it's it's it really you kind of you got to kind of lighten up a little bit and you not take things as serious sometimes and um that's what that's what Eli did for us um, back of the bus gang was another one. After the games, we would all sit in the back of the bus and just yuck it up. Most of the times when we were winning, having adult um, beverage or two back adult there. Adult beverage back there, yeah. Crying. It was funny because we'd always wait until you know that till the bus started up, and then as soon as there was a little bit of noise, you'd hear this in, in unison, <laughs> 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 like all of them in a row, you know. Well, but so. how'd you get that stuff on the bus, Jeff? Oh, come on, Lance. Well, I'm just asking. No, it's a good so. question. Yeah. Um, and this is the the old cliche: it's not what you know, it's who you exactly. know. Exactly. So you, a lot of these uh, ball guys are the um, the equipment managers of the away teams. We kind of knew them all. At least I did. I've been in the league so darn long. I knew a lot of them. And uh, you just tip those guys. You get their numbers and say, "Hey, can you get us a you know a 12 pack or an 18 pack of Bud Light and have it iced down?" And you know you tip the guy. And Eli would give him a little tip, and we'd have our beers at the end of the game. So very nice. So. Oh, well, right. back in the day up. they used to give them to us. They don't do they don't do that anymore. No, no, you can't. No, do times it have changed. Yes. All right, so that's good. All Eli right. Manning Day. Yes. Atlanta Falcons Day It should be fun. If folks, if you go to the
3: game, obviously stay in your seat at halftime, and you can check that out. And we will carry that ceremony live on the stream. At halftime. So we'll cut away from the game, go to the stream, then come back to the game when the ceremony's over. And we'll also carry on the radio broadcast. If you're listening on WFAN, we will carry Eli's speech, which I'm told is gonna be like 60 seconds long. Shockingly, Jeff, it is not gonna be like a very long speech. I know you're shocked like by Coughlin? that. <laughs> Remember I, Coughlin? Tom was the best. Like, dude, oh he he's going, and then they like tried to play him off like it was the Oscars. And no, he's like, ain't no, sorry. I'm gonna go until I'm done, and you're gonna listen. I yeah. think halftime was like like 20 minutes in that game because Tom was like, No, yeah. I'm finishing my speech. Sorry, yeah, they still had great. to pull
4: off the stage to continue the Monday night game. <laughs> that's, that's right, so that's why yeah. the second half was delayed. <laughs> but see, the other thing that happened with Tom that's not going to happen with Eli is remember, Tom was inducted with a group, yeah, whereas Eli's all alone. If Tom was alone. I have a funny feeling things would have went on time because he had to wait till everybody else spoke. He waited him. till the end.
1: Yeah. Correct. Exactly. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. you're not going to take my my minutes No, of course not. Are you can. No. Yeah. No, 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 you know. No, 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 no. I mean, I got everybody here five minutes early. That means I can go five <laughs> minutes late. <laughs> he knew exactly
3: what he wanted to say and he was going to say it. Yeah. And he no did. one was getting him off yep. that. And you know what? Quite frankly, he earned that. Tom Coughlin in that building can do whatever yeah. the hell he wants. Period. Now, Stop.
1: I will. I would love to see him. I don't know if he's going to be here with uh, the news of Judy. I and don't
3: think he's going to be here this week, Jeff. But he will be here the week that they celebrate the the Super Bowl. Um, the okay. Super Bowl I believe that's what I've okay. heard.
1: I can't guarantee that. Sure. but that's what I've heard. That's fine. That's great. He'll be here in spirit. That's great.
3: All right, guys. Now let's talk some football. And again, we can open the lines now at two zero one nine three nine four five one three. We can break down the game as we go along. And I'll kind of just say this, guys, and then Lance, I'll let you take it. And then Jeff, you can obviously throw in sure. your two cents as well. Sure. Every week we go into these games and we look for the thing that the opponent does really well that we think is going to be a worry and a problem. And when I went around and I looked at what the Falcons have done in the first two games this year, and I'll mention the talent in a second, but simply based on production on the field and how they've executed and how they've played, there isn't really one thing that I point to and I'm like, Ugh, I could see that being a really big problem. Ugh, you have to look out for that. Now, you look at the talent and you say, all right, Matt Ryan, potential Hall of Famer, knows what he's doing, right? But he just hasn't done it this year. Five yards average at the target. He looked, they're not really into the offense yet. You know, we know what Kyle Pitts can do, and I've said this to to Paul or in the week, Jeff, I'm going to say it to you now, every play he makes, I'm going to look at you, I'm going to smile, because it's going to be all your and Paul's fault for your obsession with him during draft (laughs) season this year. We know how great he is, but he hasn't really gotten off yet. I catched 73 yards last week, he was fine, but he hasn't had that explosive play. Calvin Ridley, again, really good receiver, but he hasn't done it yet this year. They haven't completed one pass over 20 yards. Then... Then defensively, and that's over 20 yards in the air, by the way. They do a running catch that's gone for more than 20. But then defensively, Grady Jarrett, Dante Fowler, they're guys, but they haven't really, aside from the one strip sack, done it yet. Their best corner, A.J. Terrell, might not play with the concussion. Deion Jones is fine, but, you know, he's not a superstar. So there's nothing really in this game with Atlanta – that they've done so far this year with this new coaching staff and their new systems, that has me really worried or concerned. I see the talent that could be a problem, Lance, but the first two games just have not jumped out at me where I'm saying, boy, this could really lose the game for the Giants. This could be a real thing I have to be concerned with. And frankly, that makes me nervous because you know guys are going to start making plays eventually, and you just hope it's not this week.
4: Yeah, well, I think Jeff pretty much hit on this. They're still getting their footing, right, because it's a brand-new coaching staff. Yeah. Arthur Smith is still implementing the offense, so everybody's getting a feel for that, and Dean Pease is now the defensive coordinator. I was actually I was listening to what Dean Pease told the media this week, and he was going through the entire process, and it was fascinating that you know he's implementing the system he ran in Baltimore and Tennessee, which were his previous two stops, and he's been showing the guys film of what he ran in Baltimore and Tennessee because he's got no film. He can't show them last year's film with Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris. They're not running the same system. So, you know, when I was listening to that, I said, yeah, I'm not surprised that the first two games didn't necessarily go according to plan because, you know, they're still adapting to what exactly they're going to run. I will say this, you know, just as you mentioned, the offense hasn't appeared to be explosive I don't think, guys, the defense is as bad as it appears statistically. And this is where you got to peel back the numbers a little bit. First of all, they're giving up 40 points a game. But remember, Matt Ryan threw a pair of pick sixes against Tampa Bay. That number's inflated. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they didn't give up 48 points. The defense wasn't responsible for two of those touchdowns. And then here's where it gets even more interesting. Five of the scoring drives to the Eagles and the Bucks started at midfield or closer. Mm-hmm. Now, that's complimentary football, Jeff, that we always talk about, right? And we talked about this on the postgame show. When your offense turns the ball over or your special teams has a bad punt, you're going to put the other facet of your team in a very precarious spot. That's exactly what the Falcons have been guilty of. One facet has killed the other and vice versa. And mm-hmm. I know that, you know, Jeff loves to talk about special teams. Jeff, if there's any game that I think we should highlight the punter, it would be this game. Cameron Nizalek, who actually went to Columbia, I've called games with him in there. He's the Falcons punter. He struggled. They brought in Dustin Colquitt, but it looks like they're going to give Nizalek another week. He's had two punts of 30 yards that pretty much gave the opposition the ball at midfield. If that happens, that's where the Giants should be licking their chops. But if it's one of those games, guys, where the Giants don't get those favorable opportunities, we have yet to see... What this Falcons defense does when the opposition has to put together 75 to 80 yard drives consistently. So yeah, that's Lance. why I'm throwing that out there. I'm not saying that the defense is the 85 bears. Okay, don't misinterpret it. But I really don't think we've gotten a true taste of what this defense could do when the opposition actually has its back against the wall. Yeah,
3: Lance, very quickly. I just have a number that backs up exactly what you're saying. And, and they're supposed to be a bend but don't break cover two. They run cover two more than anyone else in the league. But their scoring drives this year. They've allowed touchdowns on five drives that have gone 50 or fewer yards and three drives that have gone 32 or fewer yards plus the two pick sixes. So you're right. That defense has been put in some bad situations
1: yeah one thing, one thing I see you know, and this is kind of how you break down these games. you try to pick out these things like you mentioned at the top uh, John, is that you know one, they've been put in bad situations, right but the, the fact of the matter is that they're, that they're giving up 87 almost 88 percent touchdowns in the red zone that's a problem. so just because they uh, no matter how they get there, whether it's the short field and bad special teams and things like that, you know they're still a bad red zone offense, which tells me that the Giants are not that great in. Red zone offense, so something's got to give here, right? So I'm thinking that who's better? I think the Giants will be better in the red zone and be able to put up some points. Now, um, the special teams part of it, I, I feel like here's the thing with, with a young punter, and I can almost guarantee you this this is in the guy's head, because as, when you're young and you're in the NFL, you're in the NFL and you just can't believe you're here, and now all of a sudden you are you got the talent and everything, but mentally these things wear on you. You know how they always talk about, hits on a quarterback are cumulative. Well, bad punts on a punter are very cumulative <laughs> because it is in your stuck in your head. When you run out on that field, that you do not want to do that again. So I think it's a good thing that they probably got a veteran there, but he's gonna. It's a good thing for the Giants that he's gonna be punting against uh, the Giants. So that could be a big. Ter- that could be a good big turning point in this game. And then offensively for the Giants, they, they have to capitalize on those things and really go out and score points. Because you know, I look at this offense. You got some power. You got some really good players. Ridley and Pitts are their best guys. And, and I think that Matt Ryan, if he has the time and the game plan, that they can move the football. Um, now, it's just a matter of how this defense is going to toughen up from the last two weeks that they've been – what they've been doing. I have full faith, guys, and I'm sure you do, that Patrick Graham is going to come back with a heck of a game plan this week. I, I feel like it's just – it's time. I think it's just one of these things where it's going to happen. Um, but on both sides of the football here, uh, the Atlanta Falcons and the Giants, you know, a lot of new players. Kind Things are kind of – they're still young in the season, and – you know, you just hope that Atlanta doesn't all of a sudden show up and, and all of a sudden come out of their coma. And all of a sudden, wow, where did this come from? And you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned John, that Kyle Pitts hasn't done much yet. I, I'm knocking on wood. Can you hear that? I've just went one, <laughs> one more week. Don't don't do anything for one more week. Jeff, Wait, well, what are he's what are also you
4: getting more comfortable too. remember.
1: Yeah, are you kidding me, Jeff? Yeah.
3: He, he, he's going to want to put on a showcase for his two biggest supporters.
1: Jeff. Well, and Paul Well, I'm going to uh, I can't get on the field. If I was going to be on the field, I would go up to him and say, listen, I really like you and I'm just secretly telling you that. But don't do anything to, to make me look good by telling everybody that we wanted you. OK, so just calm down. Now, Detino will come over there and all. He'll be all lathered up, and <laughs> I did thirty-five miles around the stadium today, thinking how you could have been a giant. <laughs> Sorry, He's also ball. got
4: his college teammate on the
1: opposite sideline. get there he is, Tony, oh, that's right. So, right, that's good. Yeah. Well, hopefully, he can do something too. You know, we'll see what happens, boys. It's going to be interesting. Hey, look, look. It, it,
3: these are two teams that both desperately need wins. It's going to oh, be one of those deals where, oh. you know. I think the Giants are probably, in terms of talent, coaching, execution, in terms of where they are. We mentioned the Falcons. You know, Lance, you made a great point. Still getting used to their systems on both sides of the totally. ball. I think the Giants are in a much better position yeah. to win this game. But it's still going to come down to which team goes out there and just plays better, right? Who doesn't make the mistake? Who's a little bit more efficient? Who's better in the red zone? Who's better on third downs? The turnover margin. You know, there's just not a lot of margin for error here. So it's going to be a matter of which team plays better. And, frankly, you know, big plays. I think that's going to be a factor here. The Falcons have been such a dink and dunk offense this year. Matt Ryan's average depth of target has been 5.1 yards this year. That's crazy. It's the second lowest in the league. Second lowest among quarterbacks that have at least 25 dropbacks. So they just have not – they have three passes that have traveled 20 yards or more in the air to Calvin Ridley. All of them are incomplete. They have not thrown another pass over 20 yards in the air all year. So can you keep the Falcons into that dink-or-dunk zone, which will prevent some big plays from Ridley and Pitt? So it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. We'll keep an eye on that A.J. Terrell injury. Uh, Evan Ingram with practice again today. He's been limited. We'll see if he can go. Joe Judge didn't seem to think there'd be any issues with with Galladay and Barkley, who have both been limited all week. So I think the two teams will be relatively healthy, and we'll see which one can come out
1: on top. Well, the well, A.J. Terrell one is big. Yes, concussion. We'll see. He's probably their best. He is their best quarter. Oh, he's by far their best corner. Yeah. 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 And I think that, um, you know, Cordell Patterson is another guy that we didn't talk much about, Ooh, but yeah. we will. He is. He is. He's, I mean, been in the league forever, right? But I, I, I just, he's exciting to watch. Um, just, you know, you got to be careful with him. They're going to put him in the backfield. They're going to put him in tight end. They're going to put him in slot. They're going to put him all around. Yeah, and Patterson look, and Pitts both line up all over the place. Sure. Yeah, and that's just trying to get mismatches, right? I mean, that's what they're doing. So watch those kind of guys, those two there. Um, and I feel like Calvin Ridley is just – I think he's uh, – that offense is just so new. I don't know if they are kind of understand how to use him yet, you know. But when you think about that number you just said, John, 5.1 yards, one yards—that's that's nothing. That's like – That's like dump-off passes. That's like a seven-on-seven right there. Just here, dump it to the running back at five yards. That's not a lot. Yeah. We'll see. Well, because I
4: think Atlanta right now, to your point, Jeff, they look at their skills positions and Mm -hmm. they say – if Matt could get those guys out in open space, those guys will do the rest of the heavy lifting. I think okay, that's yeah. been part of the mindset. Yeah. Throw it to and five then yards, slowly, right? you hope that they can open things up as guys get more and more comfortable and so forth. But Patterson, for example, is somebody who they believe they get him out in open space. You know, he scored two touchdowns in the last game, and a lot of it was him creating plays by himself. That's right. So You know, you brought up, John, the dunking and the dinking, and that may be the philosophy. The bottom line is Denver sort of had that philosophy, and if the Giants can't get off the field on third down, to me it really doesn't matter when it comes to Atlanta's approach. Sure. Because if Atlanta could do enough on first and second down to get some manageable third downs, the onus is going to be on the Giants to get off the field, regardless of whether or not Atlanta's looking for the deep bombs or not. And they had, when Atlanta came back against Tampa Bay, they managed to put together two touchdown drives— with that short philosophy where, you know, we'll let the guys get out in open space and move the chains. So, you know, to me, whether you're attacking the Giants deep down the field during in the short yardage, the Giants defense has struggled all over. So, you know, they're still going to have to find ways to make stops in the open field, no matter where Matt Ryan is going with the football.
3: Yeah, and look, they run that, you mentioned it, the Titan system, a lot of heavy personnel early downs, play action, things like that. And their offensive line has been great this year. The Matt Ryan gets rid of the ball real quick. I think 2.54 or 2.56 average time to throw, which is, I think, the eighth fastest in the league. But they have three young linemen, man. Mm-hmm. Hennessy at center, Mayfield at left guard, and Kayla McGarry at right tackle have all struggled this year. Matthews and Lindstrom, their left tackle and right guard have both been pretty good. But there could be opportunities to get the Matt Ryan if you can get him to hold the ball, which is really the trick. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat, hashtag BBKL. The Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID 19. Protect yourself, get vaccinated. Visit slash get vaccinated or talk to your healthcare provider. And don't forget to take in all the action of Giants football from your very own suite, a private suite. Giant suites are a great way to entertain your family and friends while rooting on your giant right here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giant Suite representative now by calling 888 NYG. 1925. Antonio Manhattan has been holding the longest Antonio, what up?
2: Hey, what's going on guys Happy Friday you too. I just wanted to point out I, I, John I keep hearing you saying that like you know, nothing scares you about this team about Atlanta Falcons and it I actually feel like the, the Falcons how they are set up it's the giant kryptonite. Um, explain the, the fal- because the Falcons corners are the weak point of this team. But Daniel Jones likes to throw close to the hash marks, which is the strength of the, the, the Atlanta Falcons defense. They have extremely they have they have a really good linebacker that goes on the sideline, so he's a good coverage linebacker. And their safeties are decent, I think. So that that's one thing that scares me when it comes to defense. On offense, there's on their offense, there's no one in our team that can cover Kyle Pitts. No
3: one. Well, if in so fairness, Antonio, they're, they're, there's no one in the league that can really cover Kyle Pitts.
2: Well, well, Tampa Bay did a they did a decent job, you know what I'm saying? And Tampa Bay actually has the middle linebacker that could stay with that guy. No, know, he boy. can.
3: No, 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 no. No linebacker can run with four four Kyle Pitts. Okay, no, can Play zone. Yeah, right. Yeah, you could play zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, know, right, yeah, sure.
2: Yeah, they didn't play man. No, they and didn't. They you're right. No one did a decent job. And. We don't even have anybody that could play zone or man on oh, him. Oh, that's so not true.
3: Blake Martinez is a fine zone linebacker. No, he's not. PFF he great pre, not. no timeout. Actually, PFF graded him in the yeah. high seventies in coverage last year, Antonio. Okay. Yeah, and have you seen him in the last two games?
2: He's getting beat. He's not playing the same. He's not playing the same as he did last year. His coverage is not as good as last year in the next these, these first two games.
3: I have not looked but, at, 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 his, at his grading in zone this year. I know what it was last year.
2: All right. I mean, I, I, I don't look at PFF. I'm just literally looking at the film, and I'm looking and seeing he's just missing out on inside. They're coming in high routes, slants, and stuff like that, and he's just barely not getting there, where last year he would, you know, be there at least to make the tackle right away or knock down the ball. Um, I don't see – I'm not seeing the same plays that he was making last year, but that's just me. I'm just looking at film. Um, one other thing, too, is uh, yesterday Phil Sims called in and said um, that he, if it was, he was the offensive coordinator, he would run Jones more. And I thought that was a genius idea because I, I looked at Lamar Jackson's game and I was like, man, I wish the Giants – he's not Lamar Jackson, obviously, but I wish they would call similar plays to that and use him in that way. And the, what I got from people on Twitter was they'll say, oh, and Daniel Jones will get hurt you don't know that like you can't just say automatically oh, Daniel Jones is going to get hurt oh, but like, you
4: are exposing him to more hits and you have to take into consideration his track record
2: but hurt to, but, but uh, injury is so random you don't know like look at like you can't tell me that Daniel Jones has a smaller frame than Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson never get hurt yes he's shiftier and he can avoid like it's harder to get a good hit on Lamar Jackson right but Daniel Jones is not slow neither like Daniel Jones to work something out, and I, and I don't know if you guys have seen it, some of these runs. How Daniel Jones ends them, he actually is hitting some of these B's that are coming at him on the sidelines. It's like, dude, like this guy, I feel like we're trying to make Daniel Jones into Eli Manning so badly, and that's just not his game. I, 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 I want to see. Well,
3: you them saw it last week. Them. Well, I mean, look, look, Antonio, I, I have no problem running him more, but I do think I, I don't yeah. like the idea of him initiating contact where he doesn't have to either. I don't think that's a good idea. I agree.
2: No, I agree, and, and and again, and Paul was like he doesn't know how to slide. Hey, listen, again, they just get down on the floor like it, 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 that. That fluke fumble that he happened to him, they got him in the perfect place. I did see him with two hands. It happens, like you know, it, it just fumbles sometimes will happen, especially if it's placed on perfect. So I do want to see him just try to run more. And then one last thing is, guys, with you guys specifically, this is my only grip that I have with you guys. You guys are awesome. But you guys are not critiquing scheme enough. If you, I know, I'm sure you guys by now saw that Kurt Warner breakdown, and Kurt Warner was kind of saying like, I
3: didn't actually. Me either. Oh,
2: okay. Please
3: see it because it's, it's
1: <laughs> well, we obviously talking should. about
2: <laughs> yeah, it's talking about the scheme of the offense. How there's a lot of like he's saying that there's a lot of antiquated things about the the scheme of this offense, and then also he was also critiquing that there were some things that Jones. Jones left a lot a lot of things out on the field like in terms of throws um he again he's not he's not reading the outside guys enough, and he had like open throws and he had good things that for whatever reason he just keeps going to a, a secondary read or he's just go, he's not get he's not getting like there was a lot of opportunities for Gauzy out there that he left out on the field. No, Antonio, and,
3: uh, I, I, I'll just say this very quickly. I, I understand yeah. what you're saying, and, and I'm frankly, I don't think I'm an expert on offensive schemes like a former NFL quarterback, where I can have make that sort of right, comment. Right, right. You know what I mean? Look, if, right. you, if, you, if you want to talk about, you know, more bunch formations, more rub routes you know stuff yeah. like that. We can we can. Ha- that's a fair conversation to have, and I understand where you're coming from. But in terms of yeah. like the playbook, I don't think I'm knowledgeable enough, and I'm not going to step out of my lane to say this is an antiquated playbook. Um, but, no, I, yeah. but but uh, but, but I, just real quickly, I will say this: yeah. if if Darius Slayton catches that pass last week, and they don't have two false starts to take him out of field goal range on an earlier drive, the Giants put 40 points up on a good Washington defense. How bad yeah. can the scheme be if you're putting up and a 40 win. spot on the Washington? And he also told me
2: about that throw, too. You were saying, like, instead of trying to put it in a certain spot, just throw it.
3: Come on. I, I, the listen. I, I, you
1: know? Come on. You know what? Here's the thing. Yeah. I mean, and with all due respect, I mean, if you want to talk about Daniel Jones, you could talk about any other uh, 31 quarterbacks and have somebody say something about them Absolutely. that could be better or worse, okay? Sure. There's certain plays yeah. in the NFL. You, you Thank you, Tony, hard, we got to run. Do you know how hard it is? to play quarterback in the national football league. Do you know how easy it is for us to sit back and talk about them? I mean, the throw to Darius Slayton that he missed Darius Slayton said he should make that catch hundred percent of the time. Daniel Jones knows that there was people coming at him. He had to get rid of the football. You just can't just like, I mean, there's, there is a play that could be made there and maybe he could have taken a little bit off. Well, of it, he, but might it's not, just, he might not realize how open Slayton not, was when he releases
3: it either. That's it the is thing.
1: warp speed on the field. Gentlemen, it, I'm just telling you, Things just happen so quickly. You have no idea. I would love to put a football in somebody's hands that never played the position before, ever. In fact, put them at punter. Everybody thinks that one is so easy. Put them at punter and see how fast these guys come at you. It is. It's so quick that you know a lot of people. It's easy to talk about, but it's not. It's it's a it's a difficult throw sometimes, and it should be nine out of ten times they pre- should a good quarterback and a good receiver should complete that pass. But you know what? There isn't. There's one time it didn't, and that was last week. So, he gave him a chance to make a play. I think, he did. You know, I think that's a fair takeaway. With and Darry by the Slayton. way, did you see the touchdown throw he threw to Darius Slayton? That sure. was a big boy throw. Yeah,
4: right on point. Up the left sideline, the one you're talking about. Right. Yeah, where he led him into the end zone.
1: And, and John, I think you made a great point. And none of us on this show here today are, are, have sat in quarterback meetings, have played the position like uh, Phil Simms and Kurt Warner. I mean, we're talking about, you know, a borderline Hall of Fame guy and a guy that's in the Hall of Fame talking about the position.
3: Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, I'm not saying that Warner Warner's wrong. I'm just saying I'm
1: not I don't I'm not knowledgeable enough exactly. to know if he's right or wrong. You know what yep. I mean? And those guys can come up and make some great points. I mean, you listen to some of these commentators that have played the position and they have great insight. I mean, Dan Rolaski, remember before he was on ESPN John, we had him on our show a couple of times. Oh, How and, great and, was he? And by the way, Dan, Dan still joins the Giants huddle once a year. He's been loyal. He's a good man. Good good he's got a lot of good stuff to say and he really he can break things down tremendously and I and I love the what he does because he kind of breaks it down in layman's terms a little bit so people can understand it you know so there's a lot that goes into it and uh, a lot to evaluate but I will tell you folks on the field things happen quickly and I mean it's fast really fast just like there, the to me
4: is a practical explanation as to why they lost to Washington, and I really don't think it has anything to do with the scheme. I think if you ask everybody on that team, they'd go back and they say, if we remove a penalty from about seven different sure. guys and we <laughs> execute on a pass here or there, then they could be talking about a win. You know, sometimes yeah. you don't have to think that deep. It doesn't have to be scheme. It could just be better execution. It's no different than when a team loses. You know, everybody points to the bad decision making by the coaching staff or clock management. We can hold players accountable. There's nothing wrong with that. You could say players need to execute better. They need to make better decisions. There's no crime in saying
3: that. Yeah, but Lance, here's the problem. And this is the the issue we run into all the time. If you try to blame something else, that's an easy fix. You know, player execution is not an easy fix because sometimes the players are executing to the best of their ability. Sure. And then that's a larger problem. You know what I mean? So everyone tries to find the thing that's an easy fix. That's just going to solve all your problems. And again... We're not saying that there aren't fair things to talk about. I just don't think after the Washington game of all games, that's not the game that you should be looking at the offense and saying, why aren't you guys doing this better? Like the offense played great. And they would, again, they would have put up 40, if not for a drop pass in the end zone Mm -hmm. and some penalties here or there. So look, if they go out and they score like 10 points this week and you want to call up and yell about the offense and the scheme, whatever, fine. You're You are more than I'm more than happy to take your calls doing that, but coming off that Washington game, that is not the game to be calling up and and being critical of the offense because, frankly, again, except for that, you know, their final inability to get that third down late in the first down late in the game, there really I don't think was um, a whole lot to uh, to to really complain about. Let's go to Allen in D.C. He's up next on Big Blue Kickle Live. Allen, what's up?
5: Allen, hi guys, happy Friday to everybody. You too. too. Hey, um, you know. Um, I wish I was there to to be to see you know the 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 celebration for Eli Manning and you know uh, I was at the Redskins sorry at the Washington game um you know this 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 past week and it was it was it hurt it hurt I know I, it hurt to see um how we lost and you know but you know this team is moving in in a better direction than I think they were last year but you know um you know when you think about guys like Eli Manning you know they don't just come around all the time and you know i have a you know very unique perspective living in this area and seeing how many how many quarterbacks the the washington franchise has gone through even during the time eli manning was was with the giants and uh, not not to mention you know the fiasco with the rg3 and the kirk cousins and how they handled all that so you know I do think you know it's one of those situations where you appreciate the guy you know for everything he's done for the organization, and you know you really you know I think I still think you know we put in Daniel Jones way too soon. I think Eli could have closed out that season, and you know you know I think Daniel would have you know probably been better um, learning learning from Eli in in that regard. But you know sometimes you got to pull the plug and rip the bandaid off and, and play who you got uh, in the future, but. Um, you know, right now, Daniel Jones hasn't really proven anything, you know, to me, he still has a lot to prove. Um, you know, he's shown some growth and, you know, but he's no Eli Manning and, um, you know, for this call, I just want to, you know, give a shout out to Eli and everything he's done. And I wish I could see, uh. The
3: retirement celebration. Hey Lance, Lance, uh, Lance, very, like that. okay. I appreciate it. Alan. Thanks for the call, Lance. I got to step away to, to record this interview with 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 Bob and Joe Judge. You can take it the rest of the way. Goodbye, and John. Just for the folks that want to check it out, Bob did a long interview with Eli Manning on the Giantsuddle podcast, which is up there right now. Make sure you guys go check that out, guys. Enjoy the rest of your show. Thank
4: all you, right, man. you as well, John. Appreciate it as we'll move along here. Till one thirty PM
1: Eastern. Hey Lance, I just wanted to say yes. one thing. Charlie called in just to congratulate Jeff on being on the Hall of Fame nominee list again. Oh, for wasn't that 2022. nice of Charlie? So, Thank congrats you. from Charlie. Thank you. Yes,
4: absolutely. Hall wow. of
1: Fame list. We need to get those people to figure out they can put another punter in the Hall of Fame sooner or later. It doesn't <laughs> have to just. <laughs> well, be but a this guy. is not your first time, Jeff. That you've been on this list. No, it was, you know, la- it was last year time. or the year before or something like that. Yeah. Correct. So yeah. I'm there. I'm there. I'm sitting there. You know, just waiting. I'll be fine. You know, like I said before, Lance, you heard me say this. My name's on the list. That's that's okay with me. It, I mean, I I've been, you know, identified as somebody that has a chance to get in the Hall of Fame and there's a lot of punters that have gone through this league in the however many years it's been going and, you know, if there's a handful of them on the ballot and I'm one of them, that's pretty good. So. On there was Sean Landetta too. Yep. Saw Sean the other night. We were talking about that. In yeah, fact, I actually I actually told Sean, I said, you know what, it'd be great to maybe get Sean on the show one day. And um, even though I could probably host it myself, we would just talk special teams and punting. Two, two, two you know, pretty, pretty good Giants punters over the years. I think it'd be fun to hear some stories like that. I would have to run it by John. I only brought that up <laughs> well, now. Or so you could like, do a podcast
4: version of that. We could, do, just that, right. we could do that. That's right. We could definitely do that. Yep, absolutely. On the Giants hub. I think huddle. that could certainly work. Yeah. It'd be fascinating for a pair of punters to provide their perspective. I absolutely. will say this. And you were at the ceremony when Ray Guy was inducted. Right. Punters can be considered weapons, whether it's NFL level, whether it's college level, high school level. If you can change the field Mm -hmm. or, you know, you're a field goal kicker that has tremendous range. I mean, I'm seeing it on the college level consistently in terms of calling games Mm -hmm. where, you know, that changes the complete mindset of how you conduct your offense and the types of chances you're willing to take. So, you know, for anybody that wants to just dismiss and overlook special teams, I know, you know, listen, we've seen our fair share of Giants games get decided by that facet. But I think big picture perspective, it always gets dismissed and overlooked, but there are so many levels of football where that's going to make or break W's or losses, depending on how the game plays out.
1: And, you know, for you and I and the guys that do college games, um, you can see when a team has a good punter or kicker, how it can impact the, the outcome of games. And like you said, and, and also play calling and just overall strategy. I mean, if you're going up against a team that doesn't have good special teams, that's even uh, can change the complexity of the game. But if, you, if you're one of those teams that has a good punter and they can change the field position or even a guy that's more accurate in field goals and has a good leg – um, I mean, you know, in the NFL nowadays, you don't have to. the field position, you got to go, you got to pin them back as far as they can because, you know, these guys can kick sixty-yard field goals now. Sure. So that means you only got to get to the forty, you know, the forty-yard line basically, um, to the other, you know, the opponent's forty-yard line. So there's not a lot of room there. That I mean, you're, you got to stop these guys sooner or later. They're going to be putting points up. So it's important. It's very Which important. Which is the case we saw with Graham Gano
4: against Washington the other night. I mean, think you know, about how many 50-yard field goals. Yeah, and how about, you jump. know,
1: Prater hit a 60-yarder the other yep. day. Um, you know, those – I, I feel like in the last 10 years, the 50 has become – the 55 has become 50, right? And the 55 has become 60. Now, I mean, it, it's, it's, to some point in time, these things that – they're going to be kicking 62, 63-yarders like it's nothing, you know? So – um, and the only thing about those kicks, Lance, is that they come out a little bit low, and that's where that inside push you need that Dexter was trying to get the other night by trying to get a little bit of a jump to, to block the kick. But, you know, from inside 50, the, the, the kickers, it's very hard to block a kick up the middle because they're not driving it. But back outside of 50, they're starting to drive that ball a little bit, and the trajectory comes down a little bit. So get your hands up there. You might be able to get a good get a hand on it. You have a little more leeway under those circumstances. Yeah.
4: A few reminders before we reopen up the phone lines. Don't miss out on the return of New York Giants football 2021 season now, of course, underway. There is still time to secure your season tickets. Root on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. You can speak with a Giants ticket representative now. Become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Also, you can take in all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant Suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giant Suite rep now by calling 888-NYG-1925. So this Sunday, September 26th, you can watch the Giants retire Eli Manning's jersey in style. The, G- the team is offering an exclusive suite package, which includes Eli bobbleheads, jerseys, T-shirts, and more. You can speak with a Giant Suite representative now by calling 888-NYG-1925. For that, select option number four. And on an unrelated note, the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself, get vaccinated, visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegel's with you here as we move forward. Let's reopen up the phone lines, 201-939-4513. Greg is in Atlanta. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Greg?
0: Hey, how you guys doing, man? Hi, Jeff. Hi, Lance, man. Hi.
1: Hi, Greg. Doing all right, Greg? What do you got for us?
0: Congratulations to you, Jeff, thank for you. your nominee. All right. And thank um, congrats you. to Eli for getting his jersey retired, man.
4: Yeah. Uh, I'm you just should congratulate because... Jeff for getting his number retired, too. Don't forget that. <laughs> Part of it. <him>. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Alex Van Pelt, too.
0: Yeah. Uh, he was I'm calling, time. man, because, you know, we are 0-2, and, and everybody's calling in. You know, with, not everyone, but people are calling in with some frustration and looking at what's going on. But I, in looking at what the first two games looked like, I must say that if we, if the Giants continue to play like we played last week, that's like the best loss that I've seen the Giants take in a while. Like, I just want us to play like that. If we can continue to versus the way we've been playing. We looked a little more complete as a team last week. So, to lose by one point in that manner, I'm not really mad at the Giants because we played better ball. It's the type of ball that all fans were expecting from the Giants for a long time, and we saw it last week. We just need to continue to build on that, and we should be fine. And I also, you know, the defense just got to gel a little. The offense looked like it progressed. The defense looked like it took a step back, but – That's just, you know, I think some gelling just need to go on with the defense and we'll be all right. And um, the last thing I wanted to say, and I'll take all your comments off air, is that I just hope next year, because I I do hear the fans, and I'm similar to the fans, um, we don't address the O-line correctly, in my opinion. Like the, the guy who called a couple of days ago was speaking about how the Chiefs erased their whole line and restructured it. I just think we've been working on our O-line a little too much to not have it fine-tuned by now. So I hope, like, and I'm not saying nothing's wrong with picking up a um, Kadarius Tony, but I just really feel like we are in a position where the Giants need to address pass rushes and offensive linemen in the first round. No more wide receivers, running backs. We got to fix the two biggest holes on our team, and that's pass rushing and offensive line. Thank you, guys, and have a great day.
4: All right, Greg, appreciate the phone call. I'm never a fan of going into a draft and saying, I need to take this position, Jeff, in the first round. So I don't agree with that philosophy at all. I think it depends on the draft class. If the draft class justifies an offensive lineman or a pass rusher, and those guys match up with your board, then you go after that position. But you never take a position just because you think you've been spending five years trying to fix that position, and now all of a sudden this is going to give you the opportunity to finally solve that issue. Mm -hmm. I just I don't think that's the right philosophy. As far as... Jeff, I don't think you were on that show earlier this week. A caller brought up the Kansas City Chiefs fixing their offensive line, and I was breaking it down, and I was explaining from the center position all the way to the right side of the line, you have three guys that have played two career games in total. So, you know, let's see how those young guys (laughs) pan out before we crown and say that they absolutely fixed their offensive line because, see, the Giants, Jeff, there's a difference between not addressing the offensive line and things working out. The Giants have addressed the offensive line. Unfortunately, a lot over of their rookies haven't panned out because That's of injuries, right. because they just didn't live up to expectations of where they selected. So, you know, sometimes teams, they hit right. Other times, teams do not hit right. And it's been an issue for the Giants because they've addressed it in the draft, but unfortunately, those guys have not developed into long-term answers. That's mainly been the problem.
1: And and to your point, when you go into a draft, um, and most teams draft this way as best – player available right so um, you know and I feel like the Giants went out and got Kadarius Toney last year instead of getting you know Pay or any one of those other defensive rush guys you know an edge rusher but what they did see in value was that in the second round they got uh, Ojolari who by the way should have been a first round draft pick by a lot of people's standards Um, and I think there was value there and you ended up getting one so uh, it's it's tough to go into a draft like you said and, and say you know we need offensive linemen, we're gonna we're gonna get the first one that we can find and you know and, but but there might be a defensive tackle there that's rated way better than this guy so um, yeah it just depends on your philosophy and uh, some guys some teams are different than others but most teams like you said they they basically take the best player available so for example the Indianapolis Colts.
4: You know, that's a team that invested in the offensive line through the draft, but they hit on those guys. You know, oh, Quentin Nelson, Braden yeah. Smith, those were yeah. two guys that they drafted in the same year. The and Cowboys. And Leonard. How about
1: the Cowboys back in those days? Dallas,
4: too, is another team. Correct. They used a lot of first-round capital on offensive
1: linemen, and those guys panned out. And by the way, I, by, was it by design? I don't know, but was it by the best player available? Most likely. You know, when those, when those offensive linemen were sitting there, they were like, hey, let's do it. Go for it. Here the picks in, sure. another offensive lineman. You know, and by the way, they 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 panned out and and they led the NFL in rushing for a few years and they were just really good because they panned out. Um, and so it's it's just it's not a perfect science. And unfortunately for the Giants, when you look at the, the history of the offensive line in the last 10 years, it's just it's, it hasn't been that great, you know. So. But even in the Cowboys scenario, Jeff, I'm actually I'm glad you brought up that team because, for example, Dallas in
4: 2013, they draft Travis Frederick in the first round, their center. Mm-hmm. He was the 31st overall pick, by the way, so it wasn't like they had an extremely sure. high pick. But unfortunately, an autoimmune disease developed and forced him to retire mm-hmm. much sooner than he anticipated. Now, they enjoyed five Pro Bowl seasons out of Travis Frederick, and he was a huge staple of that offensive line. Pretty but I good. think yeah. if you were to ask the Cowboys— In their mind, they would have expected him to still be their starting center. So, you know, who has a crystal ball? You never know, like, something like that is going to develop. And we certainly wish Travis Frederick well. You never want to see something like that all of a sudden halt a career. But those are the types of things that you draft an offensive lineman with the expectation the guy is going to be a key ingredient and then either the injury bug strikes – for example, what happened with Justin Pugh and Weston Richburg or Eric Flowers, the guy never develops, mm-hmm. never gets comfortable. So, you know, there's a variety of things that we could point to. I just think that's different than saying, hey, we're not going to address the offensive line and we're just going to bring in undrafted guys or street-free agents.
1: Well, speaking of street-free agents, you got a guy that probably was the best offensive lineman until he got hurt with Nick Gates. That's a homegrown guy there. They just they found him um, yeah. draft, undrafted, brought him in, and next thing you know, he's starting center for you last year. Gonna do it again this year and moves to the left guard and gets hurt. So, um, you know that that to me is something that that's impressive that you can go out and find somebody like that and talk about value. I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty good. Now that doesn't happen all the time, you know that. So, but that just goes to show you there there are some diamonds in the rough. There are some guys that um, maybe it was just when they were in college they weren't getting the coaching. Um, maybe they just hadn't developed into the player yet and when they get to a pro team they get the coaching and they get the strength training and they get all the stuff that they need to be then they become a good player and that's that's a nick gates for you it's exactly what happens so let's head back to the
4: phone lines 201-939-4513 ray is in new york and he joins us what's up ray Ray. what's up ray uh
6: jeff you may remember me from the broadcast boot camp days we haven't been doing that lately because of covid
1: oh sure uh,
6: I've been a regular listener to your to, to you guys.
1: Well, thank you. on the
6: show and and you are
1: improving uh, daily, my friend. Well, I hope so. That's uh, that's the idea. <laughs> it's I'll tell you it's not as people know. It's a it's a very difficult run. It's it's not easy as you start, depending on where you start and um, you just learn like anything. It's all about experience. Reps, reps, reps. Well, need reps. And one, of the, one, of the
6: th- one of the things you guys have been talking about um, that was, uh, well, it was kind of funny to me because, you know, even after producing NFL games for Fox and NBC for almost 20 years combined, I mean, every weekend, you know, uh, when you're on the road, you go uh, to the home team's uh, facility and you sit down and you watch film, uh, the coaches' cut, uh film, for, you know, maybe an hour or two if, if you have enough time and, and the facility allows you that time in the room or what have you. Mm -hmm. And even in that two-hour period, there is no way we can sit down as producers, directors, and even announcers and know exactly the system that is going to be played by each offense and each defense on any given weekend. I mean, coaches watch film for the entire week leading up to whatever that game is, okay? So when I hear fans come on and say, while I was looking at the coach's tape, right? <laughs> it, it It just makes me laugh. I mean, I have nothing against them and their enthusiasm and the availability of all 22 these days or what have you. Sure. But it takes years of practice to sit down and identify what it is you are looking at. And, Jeff, you and the guys there uh, at uh, BBKL, you guys, I can, I can sense. I don't know because I'm not there watching you but I can sense at minimum you guys are watching game tape on a regular
1: basis. Oh sure. We have to. We yeah. we got to watch the games. We got to watch the actually you got to watch the games after they happen too because we have shows coming up that people are going to want to know what happened. You know that's important and I think that you you hit the nail on the head. You can never predict like, defenses have changed their, you know, they're like, they're, they they change their skin, their color, everything every week. So they're not gonna just going to come back and do the same thing that did last week because people are going to game plan against it. So it is hard to, to, to go and watch tape and then kind of figure out what these guys are going to do. Now, those production meetings give you a little bit of an indication of what's going to happen, you know, but that's just, that's the night before the game. So... Uh, a lot of preparation right. that goes into it. Well, Thank and you. then
4: every week, teams are adding more to their playbook. So, sure. for example, if you meet a team in week 11, think about how much film that you'll have to consume to really try to get a great grasp on tendencies. A lot yeah. more compared right. to the Atlanta Falcons. The Giants just have two games worth of seeing what an Arthur Smith yeah. and a Dean P. Atlanta Falcons look at system Titans looks film. like. Unless, of course, you want to go to their previous stops, which right. I'm sure they're doing too. Yeah. So, I mean, the film can be overwhelming right. at some point.
1: So that's why the team well, one, one at the
6: more,
4: last one four
1: more, games.
6: One, one, more point, one more point I want to make, and that is fans also have to take into consideration that the NFL is about matchups, okay? And by looking at game film, coaches are able to identify not just the weak spots in an offense or defense, but the weak personnel. So, for example, that call that um, – the Redskins had with Heineke throwing it to the back, McKessick, uh, on the wheel route. And he ended up getting matched up with Tay Crowder, okay? it Sometimes, guys, you have a defensive call, and they have an offensive call, and their call beats your call. That's it. It's as simple as that. Right. You know? Sometimes sure. you're going to have a defensive call that outwits the offensive call, and
4: Sure. No doubt about it. And it's also the onus is on the quarterback for seeing those matchups and trying to capitalize. Like I don't know what they were running on that wheel route play that you were talking about. I don't know whether McKissick was the first read or the second read, but clearly Heineke also saw the matchup. McKissick looked right. at him. He saw that he was heading down the field and they executed and they took advantage. So there's really there's two sides of that equation right there.
1: Yeah, that was That's
6: the and, and, guys, you know, it may not have been Tay Crowder's fault. Maybe the cornerback maybe the was supposed to carry whoever came into his zone up further, but in that instance the cornerback went toward the middle of the field and Crowder did his best to get to the outside, to the boundary, to try to get McKissick, but it was too late at that point. So it just I just have to just say to myself, Ray, don't get angry. Fans are fans. <laughs> They think, they think they know what they're talking about because they watch, you know, the NFL pregame shows or the stuff during the week. But they have to understand everybody that's on, that has a show, that's on a show, they sometimes have their own agendas. So they just have to, you know, they just have to temper what they listen to and, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt. So, but thanks, guys. I, I well, thanks for calling
1: listening. in, Ray. Good Hi, talking Ray. to you.
4: Appreciate the phone call. I mean the other thing that he was talking about, Jeff, which is important, and even when, you know, we hear from fans after games and saying, Well, why didn't the quarterbacks throw to this guy? Or why didn't <laughs> he know, look this guy's argument. way? It goes back to unless you are in the coaching room and you know what the first read or the option or the whole point of the play is, it's easy for you to look at film and say, He should have went here, but the play may have been designed for him to go elsewhere.
1: Yeah, we don't have a headset on. Yeah, you know, we don't know what's called. And by the way, um, there's a lot of times that there's two plays called, okay. So in certain situations, there's two plays called in the huddle, and um, you know that's that's and when you get to the line of scrimmage, coverage dictates the play, and so that's part of being on the same page. And a lot of times when you see mistakes made, that's because no, there's guys. This is kind of you know captain obvious here, but there's there guys were not on the same page. Maybe he's running the wrong route, and there's an interception because of it, um, or there's a sack. Um, or there's an offsides, or things like that. This is part of the mental game where you got to understand. And this is what makes quarterbacking so difficult: is that these guys not only have to know the snap count, read the coverage, call the play in the huddle; they're calling two of them. <laughs> you know, so it's it's tough, man. I'll tell you, it's not easy. And, yeah, uh, there's a lot of different layers to there's so and many the layers of play playing. calling. And and when and when you look at guys that are so good at it. It just goes you. It goes to show you how you know you got to appreciate the play that these guys in the level that they're playing at, like a Patrick Mahomes and a Tom Brady and guys like that. You know, when they can do it consistently, consistently, and you pretty much know what you're getting out of them. That's yeah. right. Well, that's yep. what
4: separates the great players from the rest of the pack. It really is. Yeah, the guys it's, that you could bank on. Hey, this I'm going to get out of this guy. And even when he has a subpar performance, we still have a legitimate shot to win the game. That's when you know you're talking about a great player.
1: And and I think that. I think what goes along with a, being a great player is having good coaching with you. And I and I and I look at I look at Sam Darnold like last night. I, I the guy doesn't look he he's I mean come on. The guy looks so different. He looks the environment so much more confident in the environment. Yeah. That it's just you know so a lot of times you know, you are pigeonholed sometimes. You get there and you're a quarterback or whatever it is and the system just doesn't fit you and by the way the system that they want you to play it's difficult because it asks you to make certain throws that you're maybe not comfortable with, but they're going to force it down your throat where they leave. They go to a system where these coaches have analyzed and kind of you know, broke down what this player is good at. Then they put him, and we talk about this all the time, Lance, don't we? We always say the good coaches put players in positions to succeed, not to not, to not succeed. And I think a lot of times that happens, that players are put in these positions where they just can't succeed and the coaches are stubborn. You've got to play this. You've got to learn how to do this. And sometimes they can and next thing you know, they leave. And then they go and – and I'll tell you, organizations, as you know, Lance, are very, very nervous about a player going somewhere else and succeeding because it really makes them look bad.
4: True. Especially if it's a young player who didn't truly blossom. If it's Sam a veteran oh. who's been a journeyman, hey, it is what oh, it's it is. Maybe fine. it's come down to money, right? That's right. But if you have the rights through the draft and the contract hasn't expired, <laughs> and it's just not a good fit, and then the guy goes elsewhere, yeah, I yeah. think that becomes extremely frustrating.
1: And I think yeah. there's someone like the Jets, who let him go, they realized, okay, yeah, we screwed this one up. Um, look at the coaches that we had in here. Look at the personnel we had for you know trying to build the team around this. It just didn't work. And now he goes down, and and I will tell you this: you know, it goes, it's, it just shows you what a good running back will do for you. <laughs>
4: sure. Mean, well, and he didn't even have the running back for the bulk of yesterday's game that's because McCaffrey right. went out with a hamstring injury. Yeah. So You know, and he, you know, he, he went back to his Jets days when he didn't have as much talent around him. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it still that's worked the out.
4: Truth. Yep. As they were able to uh, beat the Houston Texans to kick off Week Three. Well, Sunday will be Week Three for the Giants. They'll host the Atlanta Falcons. One o'clock kickoff. Our pregame show will start 11:30 a.m. On WFAN, it'll also be streamed on Giants.com, so you'll have a variety of options to listen to. And then we will also be back on after the game for a post-game show. So stay tuned for that this Sunday as well. Jeff, always good going back and forth. I will speak to you on Sunday. See you Sunday. Thanks, lot. Absolutely. That is going to wrap up. Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. A reminder, today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. We'll be back up and running with a new edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Monday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll speak to you next week. Have a good one.